pass out your, your study guide this week uh, so that we can pass that out. Let me get you on, Miss Ann. There you go. There you go. All right. Once again, you have a study guide that you'll have. And uh, on the left-hand side of that study guide is the review from uh, last week's lesson by Brother Darrell. Remember, he preached again for us last week. We'll write down what we remember from that. If you were here, it's specific questions about his message, about his outline, about his, uh, his form and how he did it, organizational skills, those kind of things. It's just an example of how we use that. And then on the left-hand side, we'll be looking at some other information tonight that's important regarding uh, the matter of how we study with those different ones we choose to use. If you would, go ahead and be, uh, be filling out that left-hand side, your review questions. Fill out the left-hand side. All right, it's not open book. It's not community project either, but go ahead if you need to. All right, I'm going to give you about 30 seconds more for you to look at that and see what you remember. All right, let's go through the review and see what we can remind ourselves about the lesson last week Brother Darrell preached. What was the theme of Brother Darrell's message? Okay, what's that? Not to worry, that we ought not to worry. Remember that? It was in that passage in Matthew about not worrying. How many points did Brother Darrell have in his sermon? All right. Three points, that's right. He had three points in that sermon. And does anybody remember any one of those three points? I'm not going to tell him if you can't. But huh? We were commanded not to worry, that's right. That was one of them. Anybody remember another one? 
Uh huh. Do what's that? I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that it, there was a point about that that other things what didn't worry, and it was like the lilies of the field and the birds. They weren't worried about this thing. That we'd follow their example of how it was. And what was the final one? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And yeah, and to put our mind on spiritual things. Remember, it's a matter of putting our mind on, choosing to put our mind on spiritual things. Very good. Very good. Was the sermon topical or expository? What, what, what do we decide about that? Okay, it's primarily topical. But then I said, you know, he, he did some exposition of the passages as he went through that. It's kind of, I tell you, he, he kind of likes a hybrid method. That topical sentence, general topical message generally, but some exposition in the middle of it. What word or words did did Brother Darrell define for us in that in that lesson? Do you remember that message? You remember any particular word he defined? Okay. What well, what was the word? Yeah. <laughs> what was the what was the English word? Okay, it was the English word was worry. That's right. And remember, anybody remember what he gave as the definition of that or some alternative de- definition? Distraction are to be preoccupied. To have your mind preoccupied with something. That, that's a pretty good word about worry because whenever we're worried, that seems like all we can think about. We can't think about anything else. We're thinking about that. If we try to think about something else, we find ourselves... So, that was a pretty good definition of that, preoccupied. What about uh, the organization of the sermon? How, how did he organize it uh, out of any of those four? What did we say was the organizational basis of it? Okay, psychological was probably the best choice. But I also gave you, I gave you an example of, of something that he, he used in his terms every time. Not acrostic, alliteration. Because every one of his points began with we. We are to do this, or we are not to do that. That's not a typical alliteration, but it's still every point started out with we are to do this, or we're not to do that, but more than likely psychological. Did Brother Darrell give any historical context? Okay, what did he, what did he say was the historical context of, that, of the passage? Remember what he said? Anybody Remember? Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. All right. Very good. Very good. Remember he said goes back and, and, and talks about the fact of where they were and what they're doing now. And then, and then a lot of things Jesus said, well, you should do this or you shouldn't be doing that. And, and now they're thinking, can I really be this that he's called me to be? And there would be reasons to worry used on the, on the previous passages. Very good. All right. What type of presentation did Brother Darrell use? Did he use the manuscript, the extensive outline, extemporaneous, or impromptu? Okay, Brother Darrell is strictly extemporaneous. All right, and you will we'll talk about more about that as we go through the study today. He's not manuscript because manuscript is very much precise in every word that's going to be said, how it's said, how it's measured. He's not extensive outline because it. He gave you an extensive outline. He wouldn't have just given you three points. He would have given you four sub-points under each one of those points. 
Uh, and, and so that's not an extensive outline. But extemporaneous. He takes a point, he takes a theme, takes an idea, and then he kind of runs with that, with all kinds of things that he, he's going to share with that in regard to it. All right, very good. Now I want you to look on the left-hand side, and we're going to focus tonight on what we call methods of study. We've already described for you a manuscript, what a manuscript style is. We've, we've also talked about the extensive outline, and we've talked about extemporaneous. I'm not breaking down impromptu because no one should ever do impromptu teaching or preaching. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You don't want to do impromptu. That just means somebody gives you a subject and says, would you mind standing up and talk about that? You know, we want, to, we want to make sure we're prepared when we're doing our Bible studies, somehow, someway, manuscript, extensive outline, or either this extemporaneous style. So whenever you do, you say, well, which one would I want to do, or which one would I choose to do? I want to help you to understand the difference in them and what it requires to have each one of those, and then maybe you're able to choose which one you like the best. I'll share with you positive things, strengths, and weaknesses of each one. First one I want to talk about is the manuscript. If you're writing, now you know what I'm saying when I'm, I'm talking about manuscript. That means that every word is written out. Every word is planned. Every word is, has, has a purpose in what it's doing. And that's written out in longhand, as we would call it, or typed out. And then you go back and you are going to learn that manuscript as you have written it out. And you're going to state that manuscript word for word just as it was written, okay? That, that's, how, that's what a manuscript's all about. And, and if, you're, if you're effective in a manuscript, you've been able to learn every word and to be able to go through that without having to read it, right? without having to read it, without having to refer to it, without having to get prompts, if you're able to memorize the whole thing. So let's talk about this manuscript. The, the key thing for manuscript is rote memory work. What is rote memory work? Y'all know what rote memory work is? It's to say it what? You got to know it and you say it over and over and over again. You just keep saying it over and over so that it just flows, the natural thing. Whenever you had, if, if you were in class, whenever you're in high school or college, you had to memorize the, the ride of Paul Revere. Y'all ever have to do that one? Or the preamble to the Constitution? Or you had something. How, well, how do you do that? You just m memorize it. You just go and, and over and over and over again, all right, to do that. So basically, when you're talking about a manuscript, that's what you have to do. You have to do memory work on this manuscript that you've written out. All right, let's talk about that. What are the strengths of a manuscript? First strength is you have to have a person who's really good at manuscripting has an amazing ability to memorize. They just have an ability to memorize. They can memorize all kinds of things. One of the best people I ever saw with a manuscript who, um, who had probably one of the greatest memories was Leonard Ravenhill. Leonard Ravenhill was an evangelist. I saw him when he was in his 70s. But Leonard Ravenhill in his 70s could preach from manuscript style for an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, I mean it. He, he could, there, I don't know if you realize this, but many of the hymns we have in our, in our hymn book some of them were written by Wesley, John Wesley and them. Uh, but when you get it, we had like three verses or four verses. Those hymns had over a hundred verses to them. They would have over a hundred verses to them. And Ravenhill could quote 15 verses from one of those hymns that, that you never heard of before. I mean, you haven't heard that verse, you never heard it in your hymn book. 
But he had this unique ability to be able to memorize, to be able to put things, in, 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 and that's a, that's a real gift. Few people have that kind of memory. As far as the strengths of it, it's an amazing ability to memorize. Here's another. Every word is measured. When a person does a manuscript, and they do by manuscript, they will work on that manuscript, and they're going to choose every word, and every word is of utmost importance. There are no wasted words in a manuscript. Frank Pollard, who was the longtime pastor at First Baptist Jackson, was probably one of the greatest manuscript preachers that you would ever find. Frank Pollard's message was always 28 minutes. It was it. 28 minutes. It wasn't 27 minutes. It wasn't 29 minutes. It was 28 minutes. But he spent 30 minutes of study time on every minute of that sermon. So he spent 14 hours of study on a 28-minute sermon. And that's because every word was chosen. Every word was measured. It was, there weren't any wasted words. And so when he put that together, in 28 minutes, he said a lot. <laughs> it wasn't any, oh, where are we going from here? Or what are we going to do? Or any chasing rabbits or anything like that. Everything is precise. That's a great strength for that. A third thing, points are balanced. In other words, in a manuscript, they're going to be able to balance every point. If you've got three points, there's going to be this much information for that one, this much information for that one, this much information for that one. All right? It's going to be a balanced sermon. Versus somebody who's going to use a different style, they may get on what we call the soapbox. You know what the soapbox is, don't you? It's their favorite subject. <laughs> and whatever becomes their favorite subject, the sermon goes 20 minutes into that regard, and the other two points got five each. Not very well balanced. Well, a manuscript keeps that from happening. In a manuscript, you know exactly how much time you dedicated to it. keeps you off the soapbox. keeps you focusing on those things. Here's, here's number four. It is easily transferred into book form. Now, do you know how Southern Baptist preachers write books? You know, if there's a Southern Baptist preacher who writes books, it is usually their manuscript from their sermons. Southern Baptists preach too much to write books. I mean, they're preaching Sunday morning. They preach Sunday nights, Wednesday nights. They got funerals. They got. When you haven't prepared that many sermons, you don't have time to write. So those preachers who write by manuscript, they're able to write that, and it's easily transferable. They can just take a series of sermons that are by manuscript, and they turn it over there, and it's a twelve series, twelve sermon series, and all that's by manuscript. There's the book. You understand? Because they just got it all written out, exactly how it is, and they transfer that over. So most preachers, our Baptist preachers, who are going to write books, are going to use a manuscript style. They're going to take that and be able to transfer that over. Versus an outline, doesn't you have to fill in the gaps, or extemporaneous is not that way, but the manuscript is going to be used that way. All right? Now, let's look at, uh, let's look at the weaknesses. Here's a weakness of manuscript. Only a few people have the ability, time, confidence level to teach from manuscripts effectively. Circle the word effectively. There are a lot of people who may teach from manuscripts, but I said effectively. That, that means they have the time, they have the ability to be able to memorize and to see that. They have the time to put in to be able to memorize. And then they have the confidence, because it takes confidence to be able to stand up from this manuscript that I've studied and I've memorized 
and put my time into that I can tell you what that says without me being dependent on notes or dependent on trying to find the manuscript. There's nothing more fearful in all your life than to have a manuscript that you're preaching from and you forget where you are. (laughs) That's a terrifying thing. Because you can't remember where it is that I can't find it on the page. You know, where, where, where is the page? It's going because you can't remember. Because you have to memorize. What you're doing is you're memorizing a manuscript. You memorize it by page position. I don't know if you all know that or not. Do you ever remember studying for a test in high school or college or something like that? And you remember the answer is on the right-hand side, up top, in little bitty small things. Where is, what was that? Where was, I, I just got to get a prompt. If I, somebody could prompt me, I would know what that is because you you memorize it on position on the page. You know, Very few people have that ability to do that and have that kind of confidence. But if you do, certainly use it. Another weakness, most are dependent upon notes and manuscripts for information. In other words, if you're going to try to do, if you're going to use a manuscript and you don't have that memory, you don't have that confidence, you're going to find yourself locked in to the manuscript. You're going to find yourself reading it more than you are sharing it. And, and so you've got to really put the time in so that you're not spending your time just reading to somebody. Most people do not want you to read to them what they can read for themselves. Okay, They don't want you doing that. They want, they want you to share with them from your heart and that sort of thing. So if you don't have the confidence, you don't have the time, you don't put the work in there, you're going to be locked in that manuscript. It's not going to be as effective. Now, does that mean that God can't use you? No. I didn't say that. Jonathan Edwards. How many of you know of Jonathan Edwards? He wrote the... the Famous sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God. All right? It literally was a sermon that turned the world upside down in revival. You know how Jonathan Edwards read that? It was a, it was a total manuscript. And you know what he did? He had glasses about as thick as Coca-Cola bottles. That's about it. And he had to hold his paper real close to his head. And this is what he did. The whole time he read was his face was down and he read the sermon word for word. Just like that. Never looked up from it and, and read the whole thing and... People falling out in the aisles, getting saved and getting right with God and everything else. So I'm not saying God can't use you. I'm just simply saying that that's not typically the more entertaining style or more style that people would want to see. The study method is done primarily at a desk trying to put words together. That's formulating the manuscript. And then visualizing on a page where it is. How do I remember where that is? What is at the bottom of that page? What's on the top of the next page? You're, you're literally having to do that. And if you can do it, you're fine. If you can't, you might get stuck. All right? Now, let's look at the extensive outline, how different that is. It requires a great amount of time in organizing thoughts to minute details. Now, the manuscript required time, but that was putting measuring every word so that you want to say what you want to say when you put it there. The extensive outline has to do with putting the thought patterns together. What does a passage say? One of the greatest strengths of it is it usually masters the biblical material. The, be- the, the best way to master the biblical material is going to be through an extensive outline. In other words, you're going to take that passage and you're going to say, this is point one. And under that point one, here are, here are three points that's in that same verse. And then the next verse is this, and it's going to be this point. It's a sub-point. It's going to be another point. You're going to handle the Word of God and and know the Bible probably better through the extensive outline than you will any other means. Okay, 
Because you're, you're putting it together in an organizational pattern of how you think about it and how it's put together. So, that's a good, that's a good point. It is easily learned and organized. How many of you, whenever you, and I know you had to, how many of you, whenever you were in your English class, one of your things in English class was to learn how to make an outline? Y'all remember that? We still learn, do you teachers, do we still do that today? They still teach how to make outlines and do things? I hope so. You know, you had to have one. If you got a one, you got to have a two. If you got an A, you got to have a B. If you have a little one, you got to have a little two. If you don't have a little one and little two, then you don't have a little one. You just have a little part, right? Is that? Now, whether you know that or not, you say, well, I hated that in English. That is a great way to organize your thoughts, all right? It's a great way to put a plan together, and it is easily learned. Because what? One follows after the other. If this is the main point, then that's the sub-point. If that's the sub-point, then these other things are going are to emphasize and describe what that point is. And it's just the best way to flow. It's easy to do, easy to organize in, in regard to that. Three, another strength. Can be given to others for reproduction or duplication of message. In other words, did you know if you got an extensive outline of a Bible study, I can give that to David and say, David, listen, here, here's that Bible study. Here's how it's outlined. Would you just take that? In a short period of time, he could look over that outline, look at the text and see how it's broken down, and he could teach from that outline. He may not teach exactly the way I would teach, but he can teach from the outline because it's easily transferable. It's, the organization is there, the understanding is there, the definitions are there. Whatever you're going to do, you can just take it and use it. It's one of the best ways to be able to, if you, if you have somebody needing to substitute for you and you just found out it, uh, like this morning I'm sick, if you have an extensive outline to be able to give to somebody and say, I know you haven't had time to prepare, but here's my outline. In a short time, somebody can take that and walk through a passage to be able to do that. Those are strengths. What about weaknesses? Sometimes it is heavily weighted in the thoughts rather than the communication of information. Now, one of the faults that you have with an extensive outline is, it is the favorite method of teachers. The favorite method. I'm talking about those who have the spiritual gift of teaching versus uh, those who have the spiritual gift of preaching or prophecy. It's the favorite, favorite thing of teachers. Why? Because the teachers are all about the information. They're far more excited about getting the information than they are giving the information. That's just teachers. Teachers in general want to learn something. They want to know something. And they're satisfied because they know it now and they've learned it. Versus a preacher. Preachers aren't that way. Preachers learn something and they've got to go tell somebody. They can't even stay at their desk. They've got to, hey, found something out. I've got to go find somebody to tell. I can tell what I, what I discovered today. That's the difference in a preacher and a teacher. Okay? So the teacher will use extensive outline because they're just loving the fact that they're getting more and more information. They know more about it and more about it. And they're so excited about what they learned, but they are not focused on telling anybody else. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows or not. I know it. And so that's one of their favorite things. And they can be heavily, heavily drawn into the information rather than that I'm supposed to communicate this to somebody. I'm supposed to tell this to somebody. I'm supposed to inspire somebody with this. Yeah, you've got to be careful about that because you'll get all tied up with just the text. May lack application and illustration. Right? This method is just the facts, ma'am, just the facts. You know, just give me the facts. 
You don't have to give me any illustrations. Don't tell me how I'm supposed to apply it. I just want to know the information. No, that's not what, what brings things to life. Sometimes illustration. What brings things to life is a, an application. How did, it's not going to be strong in that because they're dealing primarily with the text. Now, what I'm saying it's not strong in that, I'm saying that if you use extensive outline, you've got to be careful. And one of the little stars you put out there is to make sure that you're not leaving out the application. Make sure you're not missing out on the illustration. Make sure that you put some things there with just with the meat, you know, and, and all the things you're giving them. Make sure you do that. All right? Here's the third thing. The bulk of time spent in writing the outline rather than in preparing to share it. Rather than preparing to share it. Do not be satisfied that you have a good message. All right? Don't be satisfied that the message, boy, I tell you what, my message is good this morning. Don't be satisfied with that. Because you need to make sure you spend as much time getting the messenger ready as you do getting the message ready. Right? Because God's going to what? God's going to use the messenger. And, and the messenger, who's the messenger? It's you. You've got to make sure that you're spiritually ready and that God can use you and that you focus on being spiritually ready so He can use the message. Don't be satisfied of saying, I've got all my information that I need. I hadn't talked to God about it very much lately, and I haven't spent any time praying this morning, preparing my heart, and getting my ready. Getting, you know, my, had a fight with my wife this morning, but that's okay. That's, we'll be okay. No, I ain't okay. You know. You've got you to make sure that you're ready. Don't be satisfied with just getting the material ready, information ready. Okay. Last one. Still dependent on notes, locked in to remembering the flow. In other words, if you're not careful, you still be locked in there because you don't have the confidence of knowing how it flows. You're going to say, I've got to keep that outline. I've got to keep that out. Most people who got up in speech class and had to have notes didn't really need notes. They already knew it. They just didn't have the confidence that they knew it. And they were scared to death that they're going to have to get up there and they're going to get frozen in their spot. And they can't remember what they're supposed to do, and everybody's going to laugh at them and embarrass them, and they're going to die. I can't do it. I've got to go up here with something to hold on. They don't need the notes. Most of them don't. They've prepared for it. But if you're not careful and you're not prepared, you're not feeling confident, you'll be locked into those notes, just like the manuscript person. All right? Last one, extemporaneous. Memorization of key words or points. Now, this is important. It's not memorizing an extensive outline. It's not memorizing every line. It's memorizing the key words or key points. In other words, this key word carries me into a whole world of explanation and understanding. Now, that, that is t- that, that's one of the best things about extemporaneous preaching is, is that you take the passage, the Word of God, and you can just go word by word through the, through the Scripture or verse by verse through the Scripture. And that verse or that word is literally the outline. You know, you don't, have, you don't have to have anything written down. The Word is the outline. And what's written in that verse is the outline. And that is the thing that you have focused on. That is the key word or the key phrase. And because you have focused on that, now you have studied all around it. You've put your applications, you put your illustrations all around this theme. This theme or this word to explain that, all right? And you're building this whole information around that key word. The thing that spurs it off is... It's a key word. Now, we can do that. We can do that. My, my dogs do that. I mean, right? my, my dog does that. My dog, I can tell my dog, crate. I can tell my dog, crate. You know what my dog does? Goes, gets in the crate. Yeah. 
I mean, I don't have to say, now tonight we want to go get in the crate, and I want you to be a sweet dog tonight. I don't do, I don't do that. I just say crate. And crate means there's one. And that dog knows exactly what she's supposed to do whenever they say crate. Same way with us. We have some word in our mind, some phrase in our mind. We have studied, we've prepared. And that, that keys what all we have to say, what all we're going to have about that particular theme. All right? So you're looking at key words or points. You must have confidence and strength, so you must have confidence level to handle information in the categories. All right? Now, you're going to have a whole world of information, but the audience is very important in extemporaneous preaching or teaching. Why the audience is important is because somebody who uses extemporaneous is going to look at the audience and look at your eyeballs. They're going to look at you. Now, why are they looking at you? They're going to look at you to find out if you might be understanding what they're saying. And, and if you are understanding what they're saying, then it means that, that they can move on to the next point. If you're not understanding what they're saying, then they're going to use another one of their illustrations to try to give you the aha experience. So it's very important. The audience is very important. And, and, and I preach the same sermon now in both, both services. And, and in doing that, most of you don't go to well, one of them. But in doing that, probably 90% of the time, they're pretty much the same. But sometimes, in one service, I may give an illustration that I don't give in another service. Because they didn't understand. Or, or it didn't get across. And so I've got more information I want to do. I only give what is necessary. If it's not necessary, I don't give the other points. You understand? Because you've got this whole points of information that go around with that point, And you're going to give that point... It's going to spur your mind of what you're going to do. And then whenever they've got it, then you move to the next point at that point. Does that make sense to you? All right. Look what it says. You have to have a confidence level to handle information. The time required for preparation is reduced greatly. In other words, you're not having to memorize every word in the manuscript. You don't have to memorize every word of the outline. You're focused on key words. And those key words, all the information that you have built around that. The studying for the lesson can be done in different settings. I do mine on the go. On the go. I mean, like, I will study, and then I may get in my car and I'm driving to Birmingham. Well, on the way to Birmingham, the whole way to Birmingham, I'm preaching that sermon. Or I'm thinking about that point. Or I'm trying to make applications of where that would be. And then when I get back, I compare it to what we've studied and what we've written. Or what we need to change, or what we need to adjust. So all week, all week long, wherever you are, I mean, and, and, and preachers have to do it. You teachers have to do it too. I mean, I, you don't get to just go in your office and sit in your office all the time to study. There are surgeries you've got to go to, and there's funerals you've got to prepare for, and there's visits that you've got to make, and there's other things you've got to travel for. You, you don't have a chance. I mean, most of the study is done outside of the context of your office. You better do it really early in the morning before you get there. And then you better do it, be prepared to do it in other settings. But you can prepare it. You don't have to be at a desk. Write it down. You don't have to be anywhere else. You can have that information, be studying as you're going. All right? Different settings. Allows for preparation of the messenger, not just the message. That's important. If you're going to get up here and you're going to preach, and God's going to use you, and you're going to have these key points, you know, explain the Bible, and you can do that, you better be, you better be ready spiritually. Yeah, you better be ready spiritually. If you're not ready spiritually, you're more in trouble than you're not ready mentally. I mean, 
Not being ready mentally is one thing. Not being ready spiritually is scary when you're there. And so you want to make sure you have plenty of time to make sure the messenger's ready. I get up here, I, I get to church at 6 o'clock on, uh, every Sunday morning. I hear a long time before anybody else does, you know. But it's not to prepare the sermon. Sermon's already prepared. It's to prepare the messenger. It's to prepare me, for me to get ready. If I walked in here at 8 o'clock and the sermon's at 8.30, I would not be ready. I wouldn't be ready. I, I have to have that time to be ready. That's important because you're dependent on God to help you in the, in the midst of that. Okay. Now look at the weaknesses very quickly. Can seem less prepared and lacking in substantial information. It can seem that way. I mean, compared to this guy over here who's got every word measured, and this guy's got this extensive outline and broke it down and all these things, it, seems like, it can seem like it's less prepared. It's not really. Well, unless it can be less prepared. <laughs> be, be careful that you, that you not be less prepared and try to wing it. Right? Now, this is one of the most dangerous things. Okay? If, if you, be careful. If you have the gift of gab, you know what I mean by the gift of gab? If you could just talk the ears off a donkey, you know, if you can just do that, and you can talk on any subject, or if you feel comfortable with oral communication, be careful because you might depend on yourself and your gift of gab and your oral communication to get you through rather than preparation of the, of the text. Some of the, some of the greatest communicators I know are sometimes weak in their presentation because they're so gifted, they can stand up and you give them a subject, and they could talk for two hours on that subject. But they haven't studied and spent the time. Got to be careful about that. All right, be careful. Also, it says uh, it can be less balanced in handling material with one point receiving a large portion. Remember, we talking about the soapbox? Try to stay off of soapboxes. We all love soapboxes, but you try to stay off of that. Extemporaneous will give a tendency to let you find a soapbox, or what other people call chasing a rabbit. Yep, chasing a rabbit. Ain't got a thing to do with what we're talking about, but we're chasing them hard. We're gonna kill him eventually. You know, no. Extemporaneous will will lead to that. You can't do it. Listen to this thing. Be, can still be dependent upon notes if the amount of preparation needed is not given. There's no. There's no substitute. For preparation. You got you got to prepare. And I don't mean you just get it ready. You got to prepare it and, and know it and, and think it and, and go through it. You you just got to spend your time in relationship to that. Uh, it, it's important. It's, if you're teaching the Word of God, that's the most important thing that you can teach. It's the most important work you can do is teach the Word of God. So you want to make sure that you have all the material ready and you want to make sure that you have yourself ready and therefore you want to make sure that you give the very best to it and whatever amount of preparation is necessary. If it means you've got to get up early, get up early. I mean, I had three kids, just like you had kids. <laughs> and whenever I, whenever we, if I would have waited to get up out of bed at 7 o'clock in the morning, I would have never get anything done. That's why I got up early. I get all up early. I get, get my stuff done before they ever know that life is, is lived that day. The sun comes up, you know. You've got to find it. Or maybe it's late at night. You might be a night owl. Whatever it is, you've got to give your time to that. Fourth weakness, it is not easily transferable for others to use. Uh, extemporaneous is, is not useful to anybody <laughs> to use much. 
I mean, because it's all within the heart and mind of that person. And they can make the notes for it, but, but where it goes from is based on that person. So it's not easily made into book form. It's not easily transferable for somebody else to preach it. It's not, it's, it's not easy to do that. It's all based in that person and what's happening. That what's based in you of where you are in relationship to that. So there's strengths and there's weaknesses for each of the ways that you do it. But find whatever is the best thing for you. Find the best way that you teach them best way that you feel like that you can communicate and, and get after it and do the, do the very best you can. Maybe you come up with a brand new way in regard to it. But it still takes work, all right? It takes work. And like I said, it's the most important thing we do in all the world. To be, have somebody listen to you, to teach God's Word, share God's Word, that's a great privilege, great honor. We want to make the best of it. Amen? Any questions? Yes. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. I, 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 only time I use notes is when I got stuff on the screen. I put the stuff on. I put. I have a thing here because I've got stuff on the screen. I don't want to turn back and look at it. I'm trying to see what we have up on the screen. Uh, well, I, I preach extemporaneously. I, it, well, it's kind of a hybrid between extemporaneous and extensive outline. I use a pretty extensive outline, but it's it, it's extemporaneous in regard to the key words. Key. I do, if you'll notice, um, a key for me as far as what I, how I do it, I use, I have an outline, I have notes, but it's in the Scripture. It's going to be Scripture, okay? Uh, the, this series that I'm preaching right now on the ten marks of an effective church is probably one of the more difficult things that I preach because it's topical. It's all topical. It uses a lot of different verses here, and you go there, and, and you got a theme that you're trying to build around. That's not the way I typically preach. I, te- I typically preach expository. Take a passage of Scripture, a verse. I go through that verse of Scripture, and that's out, it's, the, the Scripture itself outlines what it says and how it does. And so when you're standing there with your Bible, you've got the outline. It's just your outline is based on the Scripture rather than some written text. Okay. Another thing about that, is that it's the way you study, okay? If you, if you, choose, if you study by looking at a document all the time, if, if, you're, if you're looking at a document to try to memorize the page or memorize the outline, you're going to be locked into that document. Don't study that way. What you do is you study in your mind. You look at it, you see what the document is, and then you go away and you study, and it forms in your mind rather than on that paper, on that page. So that's very important, how you study and what you, you mean to use. The third most important thing is this, and that is, and I think I shared with this a few weeks ago, I had interns for years uh, that were seminary students who were with me for a summer. And one of the things they wanted to learn how to do was how to preach without notes. How do you preach without notes, okay? And so I would take these guys who were manuscript or they were extensive outline, and by the end of the summer, they could learn to preach without notes. But it, it has all to do with a confidence level, okay? And that is that they're confident that they're not going to get up there and get frozen. Okay, the, big, the biggest fear we have is we're going to get up there, I'm telling you, and I'm going to lose my train of thought and I'm going to be scared to death. Right? So how, did you, how do you remove that? How do you remove that? You remove that by giving them something that they absolutely cannot forget and they'll always know they have that in case they get frozen. And what's that? For a believer, it's their testimony. You know how you got saved. Everybody knows how they got saved. 
I mean, I was at vacation Bible school and somebody shared the gospel with them or whatever it was. Or my mom and daddy came to me in my room or the preacher preached in revival or something. You know how you got saved. So I would just simply tell them, listen, if you get up there and you get totally frozen and you can't remember anything, just tell them your testimony. Just tell them your testimony. Just give testimony and give the invitation and go. And because maybe God wanted your testimony shared at that time. Now, out of all those young preachers who preached, I never remember one of them having to tell their testimony because they got frozen. But it freed them up because they knew they had something in their back pocket that they knew that if something happened, I can tell you what that is. I don't, I, if, I, if I lose, I don't. And once they knew they had something in their back pocket that they could tell, then it relaxed them and they were perfectly fine as far as doing it. And, and to me, uh, knowing, sharing your testimony, we can do that every week. Amen? We can do that every time, every week. Doing those simple things like that will let, you, will let you be able to use or teach or preach or whatever without notes. And, uh, basically. Anything, anything else? <laughs> well, I didn't know I was... Yeah. I, I didn't know it was going to be exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. I know. All right. Thank y'all. Have a good. Amen. Thank you. All right. You have a good week. God bless you.